Um, so we just kind of talk about whatever, and you know, it's it, it's. I think that's part of the joy of it for me is it's just a casual conversation. I get to know people. And One of my favorite one is called "Word in Your Ear." Okay, it's two English uh, former um, uh, music magazine editors, mm-hmm. probably my age, and so they've got a lot of history. And they talk, and they worked in the print. You remember Mojo magazine? Well, that's, see, no, that, that, I don't think so. Well, they, yeah. they worked with a lot of the, uh, in the in the 60s, 70s, uh, printed English music magazines. Yeah. So they, they covered punk, they covered glam, they covered everything. And they have these people on it. It's the same thing. And uh, some some people I've heard of, a lot of them, because they're English, but they'll, they'll have, um, I'll try to think of who, they had, um, you know, George Martin, who produced the Beatles. Mm-hmm. His son yeah. uh, is, is remixing the Beatles all the Beatles music and to add him on. So a lot of it is um, talking about the glory days, but then the new stuff too. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I don't like to dwell on the past. Sure. Because it's boring. Yeah. You know, look ahead. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's, to me, it's, there's so many people doing like, so many like, interesting things. We got a, a email from a PR agent the other day about a guy who's making a documentary, or made a documentary, I should say. And, at first, I heard the title and I'm like, "What?" But he was born in a very restrictive, conservative Christian family, mm-hmm. and then kind of like rebelled and left and became like a big, like early internet vlogger. Mm-hmm. And at some point, his mother developed breast cancer and had a mastectomy, and then like re- re- reconstructive surgery. And then his father, who's this very much like, you don't talk about sex, anything, blah, 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 started manufacturing prosthetic nipples for breast cancer survivals. So the, the movie's called Mom and Dad's Nipple Factory. Oh, that's great. And I was just like, this is so bizarre and but, weird. And like, that, that's, great, that's a great story, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, jeez, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, I don't know this. Um, but how, so... You're into music, was that? Are we taping now? Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> the red light, oh, the green light. Is yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I often so, think about the, the Steve Martin and, and the, the, the jerk. Yeah. I was born a poor black child. You know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm a frustrated musician that became a photographer. Yeah, okay. Because uh, I didn't really have the chops. Um, I often, I was a drummer. Okay. I find that interesting. I I was voted class musician, and I feel like un- undeserved of the title. What do you play? Um, at the time, I played clarinet, bass clarinet, saxophone, and guitar. Cool. And um, I think saxophone was my favorite, and that I was probably the best at. Oh, that's a great instrument. Um, but like the saxophone belonged to the school, so like when I left school, yeah, yeah, yeah. it kind of it was um yeah, but it was like I feel like I wasn't the best musician. I just was. In that class, there wasn't a lot of male musicians, and yeah. like they. Where did you go to school? Women Hanson. Oh sure, I grew, yeah. up, I grew up in Bryanville. Oh okay. Oh, yeah. I'm a Pembroke guy. Oh nice. Oh. Oh, no, what happened with me was um, Elvis um, uh, stirred something in me, and I didn't know what it was because I was young, but. Sorry, I thought uh, no. someone was coming in. That was and, weird. Uh, you know, I remember um, 
watching Elvis on Ed Sullivan, kind of going, I don't know, I was like maybe 10, maybe eight or nine, and go, there's something going on there. And I didn't know what it was. And then fast forward to my generation of the Beatles just knocked everybody on their asses. Yeah. And so, of course, everybody wanted to be a musician. And uh, everyone got uh, instruments through Sears Robux. Catalog. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so um, I'm left-handed and I couldn't play the guitar because at that time, in the uh, early middle 60s, they didn't have left-handed guitars. It was special order. Right, yeah. So what do you do? I became a drummer. And I could play in every band because everybody else played the guitar. Yeah, you know, that was always one of those I felt like... I've never felt like I was the best artist or the best musician, but I've always been kind of like the best... At networking, kind of getting the word out oh, and stuff I, like I, that. I, yep, yep. Um, so I was kind of like, ah, oh, I should have played bass. Everybody, well, they, therein lies the rub. I mean, you know, the whole neighborhood, everyone's trying to play the guitar. Everybody was terrible. And uh, I could flip the drums physically to play left-handed. To play left-handed, yeah. Whereas, you know, you, you asked for a left-handed guitar and people looked at you like, you know, because everybody got the Sears and Robux catalog at that time. Yep. And they've got the silver tone guitars. I remember that one of the guitars had an amplifier in the case. Mm-hmm. And the thing that really gets me now is most of my friends bought those and didn't have the patience to learn how to play. Yeah. And those guitars are worth a fortune now. Oh, really? Yeah, the Dane Electro guitars. Yeah. And, and the silver tone guitars. And they're like collector's items now because they're so cheaply made but so retro. Yeah, yeah. And they probably cost $75 yeah. then. And uh, now they're worth hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars, some of them. That's funny. And it's like that nostalgic, like, oh, that was my first guitar kind oh, yeah, of thing. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, that was the beginning of my um, alternative, like, there's something else going on, you know, music. And then I, I often tell people, I, Ringo had the job I had, so I... I went another direction. direction. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, even I don't, I don't know what it is about, like, early on. Like, I always drew, always drew. Yeah, well, I did too. Yeah. Uh, What my sister? I have an older sister who was going to art school. Uh, She's about two years older than me, and an amazing, still is amazing artist. And um, of course, sibling rivalry. I, 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 she was getting all the attention. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to draw. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But I'm left-handed. And so I could draw, but I couldn't draw well because I would I had that kind of hook. Yeah, or you smudge it, or, and, yeah. But I want I wanted uh, I could feel I had it in me visually to do that. Mm-hmm. And then um, the uh, story is uh, she was going to the New England School of Art, and my best friend was going to the same school, and so I was around artistic people a lot, and they were always cool. They were always listening to cool music and uh, yeah. Everything. So I um, skipped school one day. I went to Silver Lake. Okay. Yeah. Skipped school one day with Mark, who who was who ended up being a great illustrator and ended up working for Disney. And he's still down there. But he's retired now. And I remember walk. I skipped Silver Lake, which I never really liked high school. And I walked into the, the New England School of Art was near Symphony Hall. I don't know if it's still there now. It was on Huntington. Okay, I'm not and sure. So you know, I'm, you know, I'm like fifteen, maybe. 16. Yeah. And I walk in, and we're walking down a hallway, and the first door on the left is a figure study class. Yep. 
And for those who don't know, a figure study class is a, a nude model. And yeah. I don't remember if she was attractive, but she was nude. Right, yeah, yeah. And you didn't have that at Silver Lake. Yeah. And I went, okay, I like this place. <laughs> this is, I, I don't know what is going on here, but I want to be part of it. Yeah. And then we went down a little further down the hall, and, you know, there's, there's people painting, there's people drawing, and they might have been sculpting. I don't know, it's a long time ago. And I just saw that kind of bohemian lifestyle. I mean, everybody was jeans and music was playing and I went this is so much cooler than high school yeah and I went you know I how do I become a part of that so Mark uh, who brought me there uh, uh, he, he graduated from the New England School of Art I was probably a junior in high school at that time and he uh, joined the Navy to avoid Vietnam okay and so he's cleaning stuff out yeah and he used to he used to uh, crash at my house my, my, my parents were very uh, liberal in that sense, and so he, he goes, here, he, he gave me a camera. And I went, oh, cool. And it was a Minolta rangefinder. Yeah. 35 millimeter film. And I go, well, yeah, this is kind of cool. So back in the day, you had to buy a roll of film, which is kind of bizarre to people now. Yeah, it's funny, like, uh, the, the photography classes I took were... I mean, I'm assuming they still teach, like, how to develop film and stuff, but it... it that's, that's probably for another topic. There's yeah. a lot of liability with um, dark rooms and chemicals and yeah. things, but you had to go to the drugstore and buy a roll of film. Yep. 20, 24 exposures, or 36. Mm-hmm. I think 24 was a couple, like, $2. Yeah. And if you had a lot of money, you buy a roll of 36. Yeah. So I bought a roll of 24, black and white. Didn't know what I was doing. Wandered around, and, and when you were done with the film, you had to take it back to the drugstore and fill out a little package, put the film in it, and wait, wait, wait. And wait a week. Yeah, I was going to say it was about a week, yeah. And you get the little package, you, then you, I don't know if you pre I think you paid when you got it. And then, you know, you go oh. and say, my name's Newton, they rifle, oh, here's your package. Uh, let's say the film was $2, $3.00. Developing was probably five, maybe. Yeah, that's and that's yeah, that's a bit of money back then. So the first roll of film I shot, I had about three photos that people liked. And you know, as an artist, if someone likes what you do, you want to do it again. Right. Yeah. And I remember going, ah, this is pretty cool, and uh, the rest is history. Did you? Was there kind of like a time when you? Because I see it a lot when I go see, like, local bands. There's always, like, the friend photographer mm-hmm. that's there, like, taking shots of them performing. Oh, oh sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was more the artistic thing. I went to the library, and I got books about all these great photographers who I still love. And I just, there was something, black and white documentary photography. Mm-hmm. This is 66, 67, 68, uh, and... Um, looking at these um, grainy 35 millimeter photojournalism things that just was like, wow, exotic places and gritty. And I wasn't drawn so much to like pretty landscape. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was aware of it. But uh, I don't know, it just kind of sucked me in and, and that gave me the um, the uh, the venue to, to do what I saw in my head that I couldn't do with my hands. Yeah. And so... Um, I, I um, got into the New England School of Photography in 1969, and uh, it was a two-year program, and that was just, you know, just kind of, you know, to, to, 
to go to a school where you just studied what you loved was just incredibly enlightening. I, I was never better um, at drawing when I was than when I was in school. Sure. Because you were doing it eight hours a day, every day. And you know? I, I wasn't, it, I, I never, you know, I wasn't into football. I wasn't into all that stuff. And, you know, I didn't want it. I regret now I'm not learning a language and now looking back. But all that stuff was just, I wanted I wanted just to take pictures. Mm-hmm. And, um, God, 50 odd years later, I'm still doing it. Yeah. And um, I was just really lucky to be, to be, a lot of what I've done, I was thinking about this today, you know, this is your life at Duke kind of thing. <laughs> I've been yeah. really, really lucky and I've been really, really blessed with um, good friends and being in the right place at the right time. I mean, because I don't know if I could do what I've done now, Yeah. what I did then. Well, let me ask you for a bit of advice because I am, so Anibir has been around for like, since 2011. I think, and I, I think we met when you were yeah. first started. I was at Mary, at the Mary Shield. Yep. Building. Yeah. Gorgeous building. Oh, it's, it's still gorgeous. Yeah. I was walking by it the other day and I'm uh, with some friends. I'm like, this. you need to see this building sometime. Yeah. Um, but so now I've been doing this full time for about two and a half years since I got laid off from COVID. And there's now times when it's getting stressful or feeling like work and how do you or how have you in the past kind of taken that moment to remind yourself of you know not everyone gets to do what they love again um, I'm assuming you've had stressful days I haven't done it recently I, I go to Johnson and Wales yeah and I talk about food photography yeah because that's what we will probably talk about in a minute um, and so it's kind of a kitchen um, setup, and I, the, the kids will cook stuff, and I'll photograph, tell them what, blah blah blah. So they, they, they do a Q and A. You know, how long you been doing this? And yeah. I tell them how long, and they go, how, how how old are you? And someone asked me, do you like what you do? I said I love what I do most of the time. Yeah. And they go, what do you mean most of the time? I said, well, if anybody likes what they do all the time, they're crazy. Right. Because nothing is perfect. So I'd say eighty percent of the time, I have a blast. Yeah, but does that twenty percent of the time when you get a client that you don't click with, or th- things just don't happen? And I've learned to um, realize that, not take it personal. You know, not everyone's going to like you. Yep. Not everyone's going to like the work that you do. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, but that eighty percent is is gravy. I mean, uh, I I've got a pretty busy week coming up of all kinds of just really cool stuff, um, and my job. I'm a, I'm a commercial product photographer. Yeah. And um, I just did a shoot at Symphony Hall about a month ago. I was there for a whole day with a young kid orchestra. I was in there at 10 in the morning when no one was in Symphony Hall. I mean, come on. Those are some of the coolest things. Like, that's, that's even before we were doing this full time, um, you know, people would be like, oh, do you make money at this? And I'm sure you get that kind of question. You make a living taking pictures of food? That of course, kind of, of course. Um, but, even at the time, like when we weren't, I'd be like, no, but we get to do some really cool things, you know? Well, it's a trade-off. And I, I have these certain little patent things that I say that my, my kids and my wife will go, God, he's, he's doing that again. <laughs> and I often say, I I, I, I I never get in this to get rich. Yeah. It's really worked out that way. <laughs> yeah. But 
I look at where I've gone, what I've done on my own terms. Yeah. And I, you know, and I'm not a religious. I'm a spiritual person. I'm not a religious. I've been blessed. I mean, I've been doing this for over fifty years. I've never not been a photographer. I, I've never had to take another job. Yeah. I. Uh, I mean, that's. I'm envious. I've, I've had real jobs, quote unquote, real jobs. Well, I, I've done photography jobs that I. I mean, I did weddings, and I realized I, I'm not going to do weddings. Yeah. And as anybody in any trade, you you find your niche. Mm-hmm. And my niche was. Um, fine arts photography, which I still do, but I can't make a living doing that. Right. So what's the alternative? Finding professional people that need photos. And you've got to look back in 1970 when things were printed, things were different. I couldn't do now what I did then. Yeah. Um, And the networking that I had with people. um, uh, I was basically in Plymouth. I've been in Plymouth for over 40 years, and um, I'm not saying I was the only photographer in Plymouth, but at certain points I was the only one really doing commercial work. And, right. And there's a lot of, you mentioned PR earlier, there's a lot of PR work. A lot of, and I did it, I didn't care for it, but it was, um, I call them grip and grin pictures. Okay. Um, you had you had newspapers, you had the Patriot Ledger, you had the Brockton Enterprise. Oh, sure. Yeah. the O'Colony. You had a bunch of weeklies around. So mm-hmm. some bank donates money to the YMCA. Well, they want a picture of it. Oh, so yeah. We call them the grip and grin photos. Yeah. And there's a there's a ribbon cutting. Yeah. You know, I did those. You know, there's something you did. They it wasn't didn't push my artistic limits to. Mm-hmm. But you got to meet people, and they go, "Do you have a card?" And so I picked up Rockland Trust in the '70s. I did all their work and the Plymouth Five, and and everybody kind of knew everybody. Yeah. So it was that kind of thing. I know a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's one of those, we have now built ourselves to that point where we're not having to cold call people and explain what it is and what we do. And we have people calling us and even pitching us on new events and ideas being like, this is the kind of thing we want. Will you run it for us? And we're like, I mean, you just told me how to do it. Sure. Why not? Yeah, Yeah, it's... um it's interesting. I mean, you, you, you can't stay still. You have to evolve. I, I'm not a, I'm not a real business person. I, I've never, I have everybody wanting me to join, and I just feel grouch at marketing any club that wants me as a member. I, I yeah. never join. Yeah, I joined the chamber. No knocks on the chamber, but it never really got me anywhere. Yeah. Um, and so I, I kind of felt that at certain times that you know I, I wasn't maybe out and about as much as I used to, but I was goodbye. I mean, I never. Yeah, I raised two great kids and been married for the, you know for to the same woman and, and got to travel and, and I, did, I was thinking about this over the weekend when you approached me about you know I just it's been it's been really great the people I've met and the weird situations I've got in uh, all because of the camera yeah and it, it's like I always think of it when you meet someone at a bar and you'd be like hey what do you do and they're like oh I'm in construction and you're like okay. Yeah. And then people are like, what do you do? And you explain what they do, and suddenly they have thousands of questions because it's a weird lifestyle. Well, it's funny how that has changed because everyone's a photographer now. Yeah, yeah, the bar for entry is much lower. And um, I remember being at parties or cocktail mm-hmm. parties back in the day, and someone would say, oh, you must be busy this time of year with weddings. And I go, I don't do weddings. Do you work for a newspaper? I go, no, I don't work for What do you do? I, I photograph stuff. <laughs> and they yeah. go, all right. 
I mean, a lot of what I did never saw the light of day because it went to very specific audiences. Right. I did a lot of industrial photography over the years. Mm -hmm. that, that would, it would be like a perfect example. Today, I get these two little clips that go on to canes. Yeah. Uh, walking canes. Mm -hmm. And it's the kind of thing that clips onto your cane. So when you go into the supermarket, you can kind of hang your cane on the basket. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I've got to photograph that this week. Yeah. Talk about sexy photography. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I've done. I mean, yeah. I've, I've photographed more things that I don't even know what they are. Yeah. But I have the engineer with me. Mm -hmm. The thing that I got, I was doing tabletop product photography back in the day on film. And people would say, we made this widget, this this thing. I, The engineer would come in and say, well, we need to show that screw going in there the base of the, I, I don't know what they were half the time. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but, you know, you give them a good, clear photo that tells the story, and then that would go into a a trade publication. Yep. And, uh, and if you're not in that trade... You're not going to ever see it. Yeah. Now it would, it would go on to a website. Right. And that kind of thing. But back then, there were catalogs and and instruction manuals all printed. And in the, in the like... Everything the printing printing has disappeared. There's no need for it anymore. Yeah. Now it's all on the line. So um, that's what I did for. And then I got connected with Ocean Spray, which um, turned me on to the food aspect of it. So every once in a while, I'll see an art article online somewhere pop up and be like, "Oh, here's twenty tricks that food photographers use to like make food look like the way food is." Because there's there's things that are lost in translation when, you know, you're looking at food. Well, you're not supposed to tell those secrets. <laughs> and the most of those things I've never done. Yeah. Uh, everybody, everybody knows more about what I do than I know. Oh, interesting. Okay. So they'll go, oh, I, I saw an article about food photography. And yeah. I, and I go, and I know what they're going to say. Yeah. They put Elmer's glue in cereal. For the milk. Yeah, I've heard that. Think about that yeah. for a minute. How is that going to work? It's going to dry, and you're going to have a big white glob of Elmer's glue. Yeah. So, what you do, you know, I, we could do a whole thing about food photography. I mean, yeah. it stands to reason things have to be enhanced and mm -hmm. embellished, like anything. Yeah. Like when you do a portrait, you know, you sure. put a little more makeup on and, and that kind of thing. So, with food, yeah, things have to kind of be propped up a little bit and finessed a little bit. But um, most of this, in, in I, nine times out of ten, I, I, I go, it's, it's the Elmer's glue story. <laughs> or the food is fake. And I'll go, there's a thing that I learned years ago is if you make food. Yeah. When I worked for Ocean Spray, they were selling recipes. They weren't selling the food. Okay. They were saying, you buy the cranberries, but then you get the... So, I'm not sure if I'm explaining this right, but there's something about a truth in advertising. If you sell a, a product, um, um, cereal, okay. or, yeah. you, you have to show that in the photo. Mm -hmm. But if you sell a recipe, you don't have to show that. You can... Show the end product. You can fake it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we prop stuff up. We you know, put a little tin foil into something or paper towel into something. But the, I've worked with so many amazing chefs if the food looks good and you're working with a talented food stylist, which is yeah. another word that's kind of gone by, I used to have to hire someone that would do the food. And I have, uh, do you know Stephen Coe? Yeah. 
he's he does my food. Oh, okay, yeah. And yeah. we're gonna do a shoot this, this week for the Food Network. Yeah. And um, I know what I need to do on my end of the shoot, mm-hmm. and I respect Stephen, who I think I've worked with Stephen for over ten years. Yeah. I've worked with other people. They know how to do that. So you say, okay, we need to do a hamburger. They just know exactly what they need to do. Right. But the, the thing I love is when I meet people, they go, how come the McDonald's hamburger doesn't look like the photo? Yeah. And I go, I, what can I say? <laughs> it, it, it's been embellished. It, yeah. It's like when you look at anything. Now the problem I have is with AI or whatever we're doing, Lord knows if it's a real hamburger. Yeah, yeah. If it's sure. a real person. Yeah. I mean, now we're getting into an incredibly gray area. Uh, back, yeah, I remember um, photographing, uh, it was salmon, and I was working for somebody, and the salmon was cooked for about five minutes. Mm-hmm. But the food stylist had this kind of wand that kind of glowed. She took it out of a, it's a heating element. This oh, was, okay. This was probably 30 years ago. Yeah. And she she got that hot, and she put the barbecue. Oh, like little grill marks grill on marks. it? Grill marks. Yeah. And she had a ruler. Yeah. To measure where the grill marks went. Yeah. Oh, this was for Whole Foods. I worked for Whole Foods when they were bread and circus or whatever they are now. Yeah. They're bread and circus. Now they're Whole Foods. And so she says, Well, you gotta you gotta measure the Well, it it stunk. It smelled. Sure. Yeah. It was salmon that had sat for four hours. And now you're burning it. <laughs> it looked gorgeous. Yeah. And people go, oh, do, you, do you eat the food that you shoot? And I go, No. Yeah, because it's sitting under lights and yeah, I yeah. mean, it's like when someone plays a song all day in the studio with music. And last thing they want to hear when they there's that song again. Yeah, you know, or anything you do, you, you, you know. Yeah, I'm not saying I don't, I don't eat. Yeah. Now where we are now across the street is Bark Barbecue. Yes, there is I, I, good food there. I've done, yeah. I did their food when they opened. Oh, nice. Yeah. And they have wonderful people. Yeah, I recommend that very highly. Uh, the Hush Puppies. Are oh, I haven't had those yet. I, I think I've only eaten there once. Um, like, I love barbecue, so I try not to go too much. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's that if you go there, and I recommend to go there, you got to take the afternoon off. Yeah, you need a nap afterwards. You have a brisket sandwich, and you're you're, you're useless. Yeah, yeah. I, but they do. They're real. They're real cooks. Yeah, and Kurt is just a master of. Uh, I don't think anybody. Uh, I got to be careful when I work for a restaurant. Because I've recommended some restaurants and people haven't had a great meal, and that's a, that's always a trick. And like, because I, I have people, you know, friends or, or family or whatever will come down to Plymouth and be like, "Oh, what should I do?" And you start making recommendations, and then you're like, "Oh, but it's Tuesday. Nothing's open on Tuesday." Uh, yeah, you know yeah. that kind of thing. And, uh, well, the other thing too is it's um, going out to dinner, which I don't do a lot of anymore. I just don't feel like it. It's not cheap. No, it's not. I mean, not at all. And, and you, I won't name the restaurant. It was a restaurant, and I, I did their photos. And again, to your point, someone came and I said, "Oh, go to my friend's restaurant." Yeah. And so this was like a Friday night. So Monday, my phone ring. My phone rings, and they go, "Hey, I want to talk to you about that restaurant you recommended?" I, it was the worst meal we ever had. That's crazy. And yeah. They go, 150 bucks later, and I'm like, "Oh, so I don't, <laughs> I don't try to recommend." Yeah. The only thing I can say about Bark, and I'm not a barbecue connoisseur but I can't think anybody I've talked to has not gone there and been impressed with it yeah and because there's a lot of places that say they do barbecue yes and that most are okay yeah, yeah. And, I, and what I like about what they do is that's, that, that's what they, they're good at they deal yeah the thing about Kurt is when he's out of something he's out of it 
and which is a very barbecue thing. Like if you know, to the south, yeah, yep. get there by three o'clock. Yeah, uh, sorry, you're out. And yeah. that, uh, there's a place in Western Mass um, in Sturbridge called uh, BT Smokehouse. Yeah. Phenomenal barbecue. And it is one of those, like, it'll start to come down the line. Did they just say they're out of brisket? Did they just say they're out of yeah. brisket? They better not be out of brisket before I get up there, you know? I was driving home. Like I live, cause I live, like I said, I live in Kingston. And I noticed they, they, they had a uh, bark, had a, uh, a shrimp poor boy. Oh, that sounds good. And I, uh, so I pull in and they just sold the last one. <laughs> so they promise they call me next time they do it. Yeah. That's the other thing, is they kind of just do things, uh, you know, they'll just uh, come up with it. A different sandwich, like he was, he did a, a brisket, um, almost like a, it looked like a um, brisket Benedict. Oh, with, interesting. With, with an egg, and yeah. A, maybe a hollandaise sauce. It was, but I, I, I can't eat like that. I, yeah, I was gonna I, say that sounds like I would need a nap afterwards for sure. Well, any excuse for a nap, yeah, is good. So, so yeah, it, it's it's been um, the thing that I like about the uh, the work that I've done is I'm always learning. Yeah, you know, I, I I would never have the audacity to say I know everything about everything, photography wise. But um, I remember someone called me years ago, and they said, "Do you do jewelry?" And I said, "Well, I'm aware of jewelry. <laughs> um, can you give me a couple of your pieces, and I can kind of fool around with it?" Yeah, and um, it's the same thing with food. What happened was Ocean Spray had their corporate headquarters down in Plymouth. Yep, yeah, I remember that. And this was like 1978, 79. And they called me, and they wanted to know if I could develop a roll of film. And I had a darkroom in my house, yeah. a black and white darkroom. I went, yeah. So I went down, and I met this guy named Jack Candy, who ended up being a dear friend. And he's about my age. And Ocean Spray, at that point in the late 70s, early 80s, was starting to really expand into blended drinks, cran, grape, and cran. cran yeah, cran. And they were hiring yeah. people, and they were all kind of my age. So they needed um, port headshots. Mm-hmm. So I, I had converted my garage in Kingston to a little studio, not much bigger than this room we're in now. Yeah. And so... The new NEBR podcast studio. It, the, it, this is the first uh, one I, I know you here. folks can't see it, but this is incredibly plush. <laughs> I, I, I can't tell you... The, the word adequate jumps to mind. <laughs> it, it, decadent would be the word that yeah. I would say. Um, and so... I, you know, someone would come in for a portrait, we talked, they just moved to the area, and they were my age, a little older, a little younger, and they hired, oh, maybe 50 people, and they go, they were, they were in marketing, they were in, uh, what do you call it, uh, what do you call it, research and development and all that stuff. So I got, I got into them, again, unintentional, right yeah. place at the right time. And then they called me one day and they said, can you photograph a cranberry muffin? And I went, my whole thing is if it doesn't move, I'm your guy. <laughs> okay, yeah. If it sits on the table, I'm your guy. And I did a cranberry muffin and they liked it and then they did another shoot and another shoot and another one. And then someone left Ocean Spray and went to Bread and Circus at the time, which is now Whole Foods. Yeah. I ended up working for them. Another person left and went to Welch's Grape Juice. And I worked. So... I, I'd love to say I had a plan. No, it was just, I think if you're, if, if you're a good person and you do good work, it comes back. I agree completely. And yeah. I am certainly not the best food photographer in the world. Um, but the thing that bothers me a little bit now is, I think we talked about it a few minutes ago, 
you just don't get the relationships that you had that I had back then. Yeah. And I, because these people became very, very good friends. Yeah. And they looked out for me, and I looked out for them, and and they would say, so they would Ocean Spray sent me all over the country because they knew, I knew what they needed, and they knew I'd come back with what they wanted. Right. And uh, and I'm not saying you don't have those relationships now, but um, it's it's like sitting across the table with you and looking and talking to you. I kind of miss that. I prefer this so much more. And when we started doing podcasts. Um, we had gotten some really great offers for guests, and I'm like, sorry, they have to be in person. Mm. And then COVID hit. Yeah. And you're like, well, I have no choice. We either do Zoom. them Zoom, Zoom yeah. or not at all. And so we started doing them through Zoom, and the, I don't know, it's, it's I don't know if level of guests, the, the familiar, 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 I can't even say that word now. The noteworthy of the, the guest um, exponentially jumped, um, which, which is beneficial to the podcast to have a bigger name guest. Um, not that one guest is better than the other. I mean, well, today's huge. Some, some guests are better than the others, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily just based on their name. But um, yeah, so now it's just like, okay, we have now, that is something we do. We Zoom podcasts all the time. I did a pizza shoot with Stephen Cole, uh, and it was the first Zoom photo shoot I did. Oh, that's weird. Uh, how? <laughs> how does that work? How much time we got? Um, I got a phone call about a year ago, year and a half ago, from I think they call Boblio Pizza Crust. Oh, yeah, yeah. You see the story. They're, mm-hmm. kind of, they're kind of cryo-backed uh, mm-hmm. bags. And they're kind of like already cooked, so you just like put the topping yeah, down and I, melt I it. be careful what I say here. Yeah. Yeah. They are what they are. Yeah. So the phone rings and, and like, the thing that gets me now is my phone rings all the time. It's all sales calls. But it says Duxbury. It says Pembroke. Yep. And it's like, you know, uh, I'm entitled to $2 million or something like that. Uh, so the phone ring, rings and there's actually a person. And she says, hi, I'm, I can't remember her name now. I'm with Boblio Pizza Crust. And I went, oh, yeah, I, I've seen you start. Uh, we're redoing our packaging. Because during COVID, their sales went up like a hundred percent. Okay, I could see that. You know, because you know Friday night pizza night. Yep, everyone's home making pizza. Yeah, yeah. And I went, yeah, yeah. Actually, I actually probably bought some. We need to do our packaging over and update it to 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 maintain the the uh, momentum that they got because of the pandemic. Yep. And and we want to show actually pizzas on the crusts on on the package. I'm sorry. I went, yeah. I said, wait, wait a minute. Where are you? In Philadelphia, I went. Well, I'm in Plymouth. Yeah, we know. I went. How the heck did you find me? And they said, John Marcou. I am. I worked with John Marcou at Ocean Spray. Yeah. Haven't talked to him in probably 25 years. I went. Wait a minute. Before we do anything, give me his phone number. I, I, <laughs> I got a call. Yeah. And they said, we, we heard we heard you're good. And, and I said, well, okay. How are we going to do this? Well, we're going to send you everything. Do you have someone that can cook it? And I said, yeah, i got a chef yeah. that can do it. Okay. And um, what we do is we do it through Zoom. And I went, all right. So I called John, and we he was living downtown Plymouth, and he ended up moving to Philadelphia. To yeah. So the company that owns the pizza crust, they're called Bimbo Bakeries. Okay. Out of, <laughs> out of Mexico. All right. No, all right. no lie. Yeah. But they, they deal with grain and flour. 
Mm-hmm. And so one of the spinoffs are these pizza crusts. Okay. So it's a subsidiary of, yeah, right. yeah, of yeah. this bigger... I don't want to even think where the name Bimbo Bakery came from. I'm, I'm hoping it means something different I in Spanish. So. <laughs> so he said we were, yeah, we were using your photographer in, in Philly and we something happened. And so he said, and he's part of marketing. Yeah. And he said, I know a guy. That was me. And I said, Jesus, I can't thank you enough. And we, we caught up and kids and 25 years later. He goes, well, Ed, if you can't photograph pizzas, you should get out of business. <laughs> so I said, well, how are we going to do it? Yeah. So I got old Stephen, and we had a, a kitchen we could use. They sent me boxes and boxes of the crusts. And we started at 8 o'clock one morning to do three pizzas. We ended up doing eight hours on just a cheese pizza. Wow. So we get set up. Yeah. I take a photo put it in my laptop, make a folder, email it to them. Wait, 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 beep, zoom, meeting. Crust is too dark, cheese isn't cooked enough. Okay, fine, click, another pizza. Folder, email, zoom, another half an hour, 20 minutes. <laughs> okay, cheese is too, because you, you know, You're right. the crust is all, it's, it's a weird product. Yeah. And to get that balance of, and that's why I hire people to cook. Sure. We started at 8, and I think about 3.30, 4 o'clock that afternoon, we got one. Yeah. And so I pushed the whole shoot into another two or three days, which was fine with me. Right. And uh, we had a stack that was about two feet tall of pizzas. Pizzas that were and, not, right? And um, we were at a, a country club that we were shooting that Stephen could get the kitchen to do it. And people were taking them home. I went, okay, if you want to do that. So... It was a little disconcerting because you don't get that rhythm going when you have the client in the studio. And the thing when you have the client in the studio, they can see your limitations yeah. or your advantages because mm-hmm. they're part of the process. Right, right. They're seeing a photo, boom. Cheese isn't right. Crust isn't right. And so it, our language got very colorful as the day went on. <laughs> and... But that, yeah. it was it was it was a, it was fun. Yeah. About two o'clock, we're, we're giddy. Yeah. You know, because you're making me the same pizza all day. And yeah. what what's funny is you spend eight hours doing something. It throws on on a package, and people just look at it, glancing. Yeah, like people see it, but they don't really look at right. it. Right. They go, yeah. "No, damn it! You look at that. <laughs> you know how long it took to do that?" And then the other shots we did were because we had more toppings. We did a. Cauliflower crust, and we did a vegetable and pepper. I mean, probably f- three hours of getting the pepperoni right. Yeah, and uh, it worked out. It worked out well. So, my whole thing is to keep the photo shoots light. Uh, you know, as an artist, you you got to keep things moving, and you got you can't be creative if everything's down. Yeah, yeah. So sure. you know, I put on some tunes. Yeah, you know, the, people love the photo studio. You know, it's like you know, oh, this is great and. That again, that's just a, a wonderful gift that I've gotten to do that. And then at the end of the day, whether it's a pizza or whether it's um, the little cane things that go on the cane, the client goes, "That's really good." And, then, and they go, "That was that was, that was fun. That was that was a good shoot." And it should be. Yeah. yeah. You can't be creative if everybody's down. No. I no. did have a client that I I just couldn't work with. Um, so how do you how do you handle that? Because I mean, that, I feel like I, that is something that more and more is happening. I should say more and more, but just 
the more work you do, you're just going to run into more. I, I can count on one hand in the 50 years I've been a photographer, on one hand the times that I've, I've had a back out on a shoot. Yeah. And one was about a year or two ago. Um, I won't tell you who, where, or what, but I just could not appease this person. Um, that's okay, but. That's okay, but. And my wife could see how it was really wearing me down. And, mm -hmm. and she said, look, at what, mark away from it. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't need the money that bad for that kind of aggravation. Right. And, she's, and, and so uh, Chris, she's my great uh, centering. She goes, it's, I, it's not worth it. And you get a little arrogant as you get older. Cause you, go, you know, I, I, when, you're, when you're younger, you want to work for everybody. Right. And when you're young, you want everybody to like what you do. Mm -hmm. I mean, why do we do what we do if we don't get response back? Right. But you've got to realize that it's not going to happen all the time. And in, the, um, in this particular case, I got back and I just said, uh, Chris goes, look, just email her. And just, so I emailed her and said, look, at, um, this is, you need to find another photographer. Then my phone just explodes. Yeah. What's the problem? And I go, Jesus, lady, what's the problem? <laughs> I go, look, I just, I, we're fine. You know, look, yeah. you just pay me for what I've done. Or, or honestly, at that point, I didn't care. I just don't need the, the aggravation. Right. Because... It's it, it's like, and I again I, I you know I go back to the music thing. Um, I look at photography like music. You get together with with three or four musicians and you start a song and you start jamming. That song might start out with a reggae beat, mm -hmm. but by the end it could end up it evolves. Yeah. And a photo shoot's the same way. You you get a rhythm going. You get a vibe going. Go, okay, what else we put that over there? Move that over there. And the client is as much of the photo shoot as I am. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I, res I have to respect the client. They know the product better than I do. Right. Like, no, no, we need more, more light in that corner. We need to show that. Yeah, we need to show that screw going into that thing. Because yeah, that's or, the whole point of this yeah, gizmo. And you're like, need, oh, okay. So when I do food, I go, what's the demographic? What's the vibe? Yeah. Okay, it's a brunch. Okay, and then there's a lot of food styling and props to go into mm -hmm. the food shoot. You know, okay, we're looking for um, a Sunday brunch. So that's, you know, bright colors and fruit, yep. things like that. Fine dining, glass of wine, maybe a little more moody, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So I look at it, it's almost like we're writing a song, and at the end of the photo shoot, we get a tune. Yeah. Um, and hopefully you like it. And I've been lucky that I was doing a shoot, and um, we needed to do something, and I wasn't getting the light. Uh, right, so I said to the, the, the people I was writing, I think it was Ocean Spray, can you just leave me alone for about a half an hour? And I came up with a, it, it was it was a barbecue shot inside without a barbecue. Okay. And it was, what I came up with wasn't working. So I took a piece of tin foil and I crumbled it up, put it under the, the, the grill, the fake grill we had, Yeah. and I ran a red light across the um, tin foil. And it looked like briquettes and I go man I'm good <laughs> so I said guys this is when I'm shooting uh, film and shooting Polaroids yeah which is a lost the whole other lost art those were coming back for a bit everything comes back yeah but it doesn't come back yeah. you know it's like vinyl's coming back yeah it does but it doesn't yeah, yeah. you know heaven forbid eight tracks come back and, I'm okay with those not being here yeah, yeah. <laughs> well I, I, I do think um um, my studio's in the pack building now, and 
one of the younger kids there just bought a film camera. He really wants to get into film. So, uh, you know, yeah, things do come back. Yeah, I, I interviewed um, a guitarist from a band in L.A., and, um, you know, their new album was coming out, and I'm like, oh, you know, let tell our listeners where they can find the album, whatever. And he's like, here, there, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he's like, oh, it'll be on vinyl and cassette. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, we're putting it on a cassette. That's like a... Yeah. Well, I'm not... You know, I'm retro, like, okay. Re- retro is great. You yeah. know, the, the, the thing is, do you have a cassette player? <laughs> yeah, I'm like... I, 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 probably, I probably have like three of them in my basement. Yeah, but I mean, like, to me, vinyl has like a sound quality that you only get on vinyl. There's something very romantic about vinyl. Yeah. And like the process, like you interact with it, you put the needle down carefully and it's more the experience. Cassette is just like garbage. <laughs> yeah. I, it doesn't I, have the sound quality. They Well, and it's clunky. And they you, self-destruct, you know. And you, you, you want to play a, another song, you lift up the needle, you got it. Yeah. You got it. I remember the programming of 8-tracks, which I never got into. I never could. And the thing that got me about 8-tracks is they were editing songs to fit the 8-track. Oh, really? And so there was a song, Almond Brothers song or something, and they, they cut out like the last minute of it because it didn't fit, fit the, into the uh, track. Under the tape or yeah. whatever they were doing. Okay, I'm not going to get involved in that. Oh, that's funny. So, yeah, so it's, it's kind of like um, dealing with the technology now uh, has made me, it keeps me on my toes. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I went digital about 20 years ago. Never thought I would be digital, because right? I used to go to these trade shows in Boston, and there was the printers and all this stuff, and there'd be a guy in the corner with a digital camera. Yeah. And they're like, this is the wave of the future. Nobody <laughs> was talking to him. Yeah. Because he had a camera about the size of this table. Yeah. And so you, I go over, and he goes, well, yeah, this camera's only, you know, $40,000. And back then, I don't know if they were even megapixels, what they were dealing with. They were what the term was yeah maybe it was like maybe it was one megapixel yeah and now uh, your phones have like 40 megapixels so flashback to think about that you go well thanks buddy and he was open you know and then about a year later you know i'm looking at 20 years ago worlds collided the quality went up and the price came down yep and my clients said you know we we got to go digital and i went all right so uh uh, the, the the thing you can't rest on your laurels I think on anything you do now mm-hmm. I mean this whole AI stuff I mean Lord knows what we're going to have to figure out with that that's it's really it's really fascinating because um, a lot of people are like oh it's going to put people out of work and blah 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 and I'm like I feel like they say that about any new technology and, and to a certain degree it yeah. will it yeah will. but it may also create new jobs that didn't exist before because I mean of course th- there's because I've been using uh, chat GPT a lot because mm-hmm. um, it's so much easier to just be like write an email to this person about this and it spits out an email it's a tool yeah and people are like oh you know that's putting a writer out of work I'm like no because I wasn't going to hire a writer to do it it just makes my product seem more professional well I think yeah. in, in my um, uh, field it has eliminated jobs. Oh, I can, yeah. You and there, there's, like, illustrators and stuff. That yeah, and it's not just very photography. Yeah. It's across the board. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was lucky I was based in Plymouth, but I know there were probably a dozen photographers doing what I did here in Boston. 
uh, over at Dry Dock, um, there was, you know, Clint Clemens, there were all these photographers making huge studios and just budgets and all shooting on film. Incredible productions and all that, shooting on 4 by 5 which is what I did down I never had those kind of budgets down here. And th those days are gone. Yeah. It, and it's, I had a friend that had a, um, a, de a uh, what do you call it? They would edit books and stuff like that. And they opened up, him and his wife opened up a, um, a little studio and uh, all of a sudden desktop publishing came in. Yep. And literally overnight they lost all their work. Yeah. Because what they were doing was they were doing that for companies. They would give them the text. They would do whatever they did. All of a sudden, you had a program, and you could. Oh, I don't need them anymore. Right. Yeah. I'm not kidding. In a in a week, they're they, gone. They're out yeah. of business. So you, you've got to reinvent yourself to a degree. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, um, you can't because it's just. And I, I I have no real opinion about cell phone photography. I, yeah. I don't think about it. I've taken two pictures on my cell phone. Yeah. It doesn't work for me. I'm not interested. But that has replaced a lot of what I do. Yeah. And I look at this is pretty good work being done. Mm -hmm. It depends on who's doing it. Sure. Yeah. You know, crap in, crap out. Yep. Um, it's like my friends who had recording studios in Boston, like Fort Apache and all those places. Suddenly you have Garage Band. Yep. And you, it, it it's it's so weird because it opens up like the the bar of entry is so much lower like so many more people can do it but then it almost like takes away some of the expertise of course yeah um we have a good friend Sean McLaughlin he has 37 foot production studios in Rockland mm -hmm. and he he survived cuz he's just but i think most of the studios in Boston are gone now yeah because you could do that on your laptop well could you really well you could yeah but you're not getting the sound you're not getting the vibe and you, you know, it, it, you have, my son's a great drummer, uh, and he, he lost a lot of work when drum machines came in. Oh, sure. Yeah. But then all of a sudden people go, we're sick of drum machines. Yeah. And um, we need somebody breathing. Mm -hmm. We need someone playing. So it, it's, but that percentage of that work wasn't as much as it was before. Right. Uh, I had a woman call me, and she makes, um, um, uh, lack of a better word, Chatskis. Um, yeah. Uh, T-shirts and things like that but it's all high end and she's based in Plymouth and she was impressed that I called her right back because I, I need to talk to someone on the phone yeah you know I'll get an email I go well can I call you, <laughs> you know, yeah and in five minutes I can tell you if I can help you or not or right yeah. maybe I can recommend somebody else or something and, and so um, she says oh it's so so good to talk to someone I said well tell me what you need and she makes um, she has a lot of clients down in Nantucket and, mm -hmm. and so they're they're those promotional things, but they're all high end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, golf tournaments and uh, golf caps and shirts and coasters and all that stuff. Yeah. And so I'm going to do a shoot with her later this week, and she's just so pleased to find that, that I got that little niche. Yeah. But you know, those jobs are few and far between, um, because it's easy to take a photo with you. And, and I don't know a lot about uh, cell phone cameras, but. You know, I've seen some really, really good work done with them. And the word that I really hear all the time is apps. You know, you know we got an app. Yeah, you go and tweak it in an app like, or edit it. Like the one app that just blows my mind is the one that you can just eliminate a background in a photo. Oh, yeah, I love that. 
I use yeah. that. I use that in um, Canva all the time. Well, you know how difficult that was in my business. Oh, right? I bet you it was insane. Yeah, <laughs> and now it's like you, you can just touch. You go, oh, I'm done. And, and we're and we're such like human beings that when it first happens, <clears throat> you're like, this is amazing, and now your computer's taking that extra half a second to do it. And you're like, come on, come on, come on. I <laughs> I just roll my eyes and I go. But, you know, the bottom, bottom line is, yeah, it's okay. And I think the problem I've had with my food photography is the food business is just messed up now. Yeah. With um, getting uh, getting help and cost prices. The co- I think the uh, COVID thing has affected us more than we think it did. Oh, yeah. The residual effect. Oh, yeah. In so many ways. That, yeah. Exactly. Not just me. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not poor-mouthing or anything like that, but... So, you know, when a new restaurant opens, they can barely have enough people to, to run the place. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I go in and go, yeah, hey, I'm a hotshot food photographer. And they go, well, geez, we just don't have the money to do yep. And, um, you know, they'll, they'll do shots with their phones, and I'll look at them, and I'll go, eh, mm, not yeah. as good as what I can do. Right. But I understand that. You know, you, you, I mean, I'm not, what commercial photographer, we're not cheap. Yeah. It, it's expensive. The bottom line is you're getting a better product. But the bottom line is the bottom line. Exactly, yeah. And it's, it's one of those, like, exactly with that AI, you know, it's going to put writers out of business. It's like, yes, but it's also going to allow other businesses to have a higher quality of writing that they wouldn't have had because they didn't have the funds to hire a writer. It's, 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 it's a tool. It'll be abused. Of course. It'll screw things up. But it's only as good as the person running it. Yep. Um, one of my other favorite, someone... Are you still working? I go, yeah, I'm working. I love to work. I don't want to. I, I don't play golf. This is what I do. And I remember Neil Young was touring with Pearl Jam. Yep. Probably like 94-ish. And they said, why are you going out with these guys, these young guys? He says, you either get on the bus or the bus goes by you. And that's the way. So I've learned enough digital to be dangerous. Yep. I've got good friends that help me. I don't claim to know... I feel like when I make a photo, I try to get it 99% right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Photoshop has become a crutch, like any tool. Yeah. We can fix it. We can fix it. And I'm like, well, you know, just give me a minute. Because, again, back in the day, we didn't have that luxury. Right. So when I was moving my studio last year to the new studio I have, I found these outtakes of uh, 4x5 film. And it, it, was, it was a camera that had a bellows. Oh, sure. And I put yeah. black cloth over my head. Yep. And people think I'm kidding. I used that for probably 30 years. And it, you shot a four by five inch piece of film. Yeah. And so I found these outtakes of different jobs I did. I'm like, man, that, that, that's a really good shot. <laughs> you, you, you could go in and airbrush. Yeah. This is before digital. You could, but you, you one, you had the time. The pace was slower. You had the time. When I was doing big product food photographies, we did take two pictures a day. Two a day? Yeah. Because of the process. Right. You put the items down, I put the black cloth over my head, adjust the camera, and do a Polaroid. The Polaroid takes 90 seconds to develop. Mm-hmm. So you're like, well, you know, did you watch the Celtics last night? <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. you peel it away and you go, oh man, we gotta move that, that, that cranberry two inches to the right yeah. or to the left. Boom, another Polaroid. That's yeah. another 90 seconds. Yeah. And they go, oh, no, it was better the way it was. Yeah. Boom. So, you know, that's three minutes. Now do that for 50 shots 
over an eight-hour period, you probably it's probably an hour. Yeah. Of Polaroids, but you didn't know any different. Right. You had a cup of coffee. You sat. You, you know, that, that that was the best way to do it at the time. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, it's it's funny because like I we've just been dabbling in in like video and video editing Mm -hmm. and my system is not capable of doing the things that we want to necessarily do so there's some times where i have to export the file which takes three four hours and then you go the audio's off by like a tenth of a second so then you go back and you adjust the audio and then you export it and you're like i moved it in the wrong direction yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 it's, i kind of like I, I spend a lot of time in the dark room, yeah, and I don't miss that. Um, but again, and I'm, I'm probably repeating myself. Um, these are just tools. It doesn't make you know. You, know, you look at GarageBand, and you can pull out a drum track or a guitar track. Well, you know, it's not like someone really sitting down and really playing and that kind of thing. And I, I look at the photography. It, it, Embrace the technology, but don't neglect the past. Yeah. And bring those things to the play, to the party, and um, use those. Because it, it, honestly, when you screw something up, it is great to have Photoshop that you can't fix it. Yeah. No, no doubt about that. But when you're shooting three or four hundred pictures a day, and um, I find I'm, I'm pulling back. I just did a catering uh, food shoot, and I. Um, Editing is really important. Okay. Because it's just like, and I go online and, and I see people posting 75 pictures or something. Mm-hmm. Whatever. You don't need 75 pictures of anything. Yeah. You need five, four, two. And it's just like photo after photo after photo after photo. It, it, it's quantity, not quality. Right. So when I do a, a shot of food, you do the obligatory wide shot, you know, kind of 45 degree angle. Mm-hmm. That, that's, the, that's the shot that you do. And then what I, I always say, okay, I take the camera off the tripod and I go in and I move around and do close-ups. Yeah. Mainly for my own amusement, but when I do food, I like to have the food in your face. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, that looks delicious. If someone says they're hungry, I, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. I did my job. Right. And if you pull back, it's diluted. If you go in and say, okay, here's the burger, but maybe just get a side of the burger. Yeah. Close or, or a lower angle or a higher angle. That's just so much fun. And that's where digital is great. But, you know, I don't need to do 50 pictures of that. I can do 10. Yeah. So I find myself being a little more selective in my shooting. Even when I go around, I've been doing a series of night shots in Plymouth over the last two years. Um, I just love when, when the, when the what's the daylight saving or whatever, when it gets dark at four o'clock. Yeah. And I've been You're the only one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. So I've been doing the waterfront and the cordage, and I've got about 30 or 40 black and white night shots. Yeah. But I just don't shoot, shoot, shoot. I, I look and be in. I just did a talk at the Howland House about photography. You know, you photography is you've got a box, mm-hmm. and it depends what you put in that box. The box is your frame. Yep. And I just think it's so easy to shoot so much now 
yeah. and that you'll accidentally get something that looks good. Well, I have no problem with yeah. you sh- shooting 300 pictures. I just don't want to see them all. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I want to see the five pictures that are really good. Okay, I see what you're saying, yeah. Um, uh, and it's, it's, it's the editing process of like, if you show those 30 or 40 pictures, you're kind of diluting what you're doing. Right. There's no drama to it anymore. If you show those four pictures, you go, oh, those are really great. As opposed to going through all the other ones because it's like, where the good ones lost, right? And um, but just think of what you what you can do. I think it's so exciting to be young now and have all this stuff at your fingertips. Um, I've got a eleven year old granddaughter, and it's just it's just like God. You, the world is just it's you can travel. You can it, yeah. My my youngest is um, uh you know, just turned 19, is, is selling commission artwork and does it all from their iPad. Yeah. And it's just like, I wish I kind of had that much direction when I was 19, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and just that ability to kind of mm-hmm. like, ooh, I have a weird idea, I'm going to give it a try. Yeah, it, it's, it's, um, it's, 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 you know, the, the, the world is your oyster, what an awful saying. Yeah. Um, but, I think just slow the boat down a little bit. Uh, the thing that I, I was talking at the Howland House about, uh, I, I, I recommend different photographers that I, same from what's by, and they're all 35 millimeter, 1950s, 1960s, where again, you only had, you know, I remember doing photo shoots going, guys, I got two frames left. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. That's all we're doing. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you really, become very aware of what you're doing as opposed to getting a card that you can do 700 pictures, yeah. and, which we all have. Right. I don't know how many you can do on a phone, but um, I, I just think um, if you're a little more... I, I, I wish people would look back at some of the old photography that I studied, and maybe they do. I, I used to love to go to the library and just sit and look at these picture books. Uh, there was a, um, a, a program during the Depression called the WPA, and the government um, gave uh, grants to these photographers to go around to document the Depression. And it's all, mm-hmm. it's all black and white. Yeah. And it was card, it was not Cardi Abersone, it was uh, Walker Evans, Dorothea Lange, and these photos are just epic. They're like a John Steinbeck movie. They just, you just look at them and go, oh man. You know, it was um, people living out of cars, mm-hmm. um, a lot of segregation. Yeah. There's one shot of this black um, um, black um, families in a line going to get food, and behind them is a billboard of this white couple um, in a car, like, you know, like by, oh, yeah. by Chevy. Yeah, like the, and, and, the and, model American family. So the billboard is this, this uh, you know, mother... Father, two two point three children. Yeah, and then below it is this food line of black people. It's just uh, yeah. I can still see that, you know, sixty years later when I looked at it, or fifty years later, it's just a point in time that you could you almost would say you made that up. Yeah, that's just too right. Right, right, yeah. And I look at these photos. There's a the one book I recommend to anybody. It's called The Americas by Robert Frank. And he got, I think, a Guggenheim grant to go around just kind of, I think they're just throwing money at people. But they're just these great shots. 
they're not technically good. That's, I think that's why maybe people might not take it serious because they're some of them are out of focus. Yeah. Some of them are grainy. It's all available light. There's no. Yeah. There's no. And but they just capture. He drove around the country. It's it's segregation. It's it's. Um, there was in it was in the late fifties, early sixties that um, uh, jailhouse rock kind of thing with the kids with the t-shirts and the yeah. cigarettes in their in their thing. The, you know. the beatniks and yeah, the before, yeah, yeah was, the before, Kerouac kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um, sophisticated people, street people. It's just a, a an incredible book, and I can see people going, "Well, that picture is a little out of focus." Yeah, it is. But it, it's got a vibe to it. But it's it. real. It's got a yeah. look at the juxtaposition of those things, and 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 it, there's an emotion in that. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of stuff that the thing that, that bothers me a little bit about digital. It's just a little too right. Yeah, it's a little too compressed. Mm-hmm. It, it goes back, and I'm repeating myself: music, analog versus digital. Right. There's something about. The warmth of the you know analog. And believe me, all my music friends. You know. I have to use a paper calendar. I can't use a digital one. Bless your heart. I don't know why. <laughs> digital ones do not work. There's something about writing it down and having sure. a physical thing that I can just flip open to you know not be like hang on let me scroll to June and so, yeah it, it, there's certain things that I just feel and I, I think everyone has those kind of things that they they need. An analog. It's like people version. who write on typewriters, as opposed to yep. you know, or people that record on tape mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. It's like you, you, okay, I'm recording on tape music. I'll get it right. It might take me a while, but I'll get it right. Yeah. Whereas you do digital, you can take ten different tracks and make one good track. Right. Yeah. That's fine. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not knocking that. But there's there's um there's a certain compressedness. I see. Uh, when I look at, and I see some beautiful, incredibly beautiful digital photography, but I, it, it's almost it's almost like it's too right. Yeah, yeah, it it looks unnatural in a yeah. way. Yeah, I was I, my son got a new TV and he was showing me um, the, uh, the End Game. Oh yeah, yeah. And he got 4K, whatever. Yeah. You're, again, you're losing me here. Yeah. And he had Blu-ray, 4K. My son's a real techno. Yeah. And he showed me part of that, and it was just like, oh, my God. I just, it, my wife had to leave the room. It was, it was just too much for her to comprehend. But when you're getting hit with that information all the time, you, you kind of go, oh. I found that with RPX. RPX? It's a new movie format. There's more frames per second. Oh, I think. okay, yeah. I really don't know. Yeah. But I saw The Hobbit in RPX. Didn't love that movie in general. But there was something about... I think I've heard other people have said that. It yeah. was it was almost like when your brain, like when it sees motion, kind of expects a blur. Yeah. And it's well, so crisp and so clear exactly. and there's so many frames mm-hmm. per second that it never gets blurry so even the motion just looks wrong and disconcerting to me. It... it I go back to the... The Beatles recorded their first album in a day. Yeah. And they were in Abbey Road, and they got, it was like 10 o'clock at night, and they basically went in and they, and they recorded their live show, and maybe two takes per song, and they got to the end, it was 10 o'clock at night, and Lennon's voice was all ripped to shreds, and George Martin said, we need, we need another song. 
and they go, what? We need we need like eleven songs. Or yeah. So they did Twist and Show, and they did it like ten o'clock at night. Lennon's voice was just ripped. They did two takes. Yeah. And the one take is one we listen to now, fifty years later. Yeah. You know, one, two, three, boom. And it, it might not be perfect, but um, there's a certain um, techno feel to even music when I listen to it now. It's it's, it's, it's we, you don't listen on speakers anymore. Yeah. It's compressed. Yeah, yeah. And but when you go to a show, you can feel it, and that's what I kind of miss with music. You you want to feel the bass. Mm-hmm. Oh, move. for sure, yeah. Because you're moving air. Yeah. And it's the same thing, whatever analogy would be, with your eyes. Um, not everything should be perfect. And, and you shouldn't have to fix everything. It's great that you can, but there's a, there's a photographer, her name was Margaret Burke White, and she was shooting around that time, about the late 40s, early 50s, and she was shooting with a medium format camera, which is a, the box, and it opened and the bellows came out. Yeah. And this is a woman doing incredible industrial photography. I can't even imagine what it was like being a woman doing that back in that day. Right, right. Those cameras are really, you had a, but every photo is just composed perfectly. It's black and white, which I got, I got to admit I have a real fondness for black and white. Yeah. And they're just like, well, I can't, you know, I've never, she's been someone ignored, um, over the years, I, I just don't know how, how she did what she did when she did it, and because they're they're perfect photos. Yeah. There's a photographer that I like. Uh, his name is Cartier Bresson. Okay. And he was a photographer in France in the fifties and sixties, and his whole thing was um, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the, uh, a point in time, and so he would go and he would sit in a in a little bistro. And he had a rangefinder camera, so he would sit and he'd see a couple to his right. Mm-hmm. He'd put the camera on the table and he would pre-focus it. Wouldn't even look through it. Yeah. But he'd keep his hand on the camera and the camera's pointed at them and he would watch them. And then you know, maybe the guy would touch the girl's hand or something like that and he'd click it. And it was just like perfect. Yeah. And there was a picture that he did of this little boy running through the streets of Italy and, he, and he's coming down this alleyway, and he's got a baguette in one, mm-hmm. and he's got a bottle of wine, and he's got shorts on, and, yeah. and he's come, He's going home. Right, he's yeah. Got, he's, and th- there are people are waving to him, like, oh, there's, you know, there's Pierre or whatever. Yeah. And he's so proud. <laughs> he's got the baguette, he's got the bottle of wine, I don't know what else. And he's just like, ah. Oh. Uh, a decisive moment is what kind of so. And there's another photo of this guy walking through the streets of Paris, and he's jumping over a puddle, and he catches him in mid stride, and he, the reflection. Oh, cool! Yeah. And they're just those little, yeah, little things that um, I I still remember 30, 40 years later looking at. They're etched in my mind. Yeah. And um, I think it'd be nice to slow things down a little bit, and and get back to that kind of thing um, of um, it might not be technically right maybe even compositionally but it, it's got a vibe to it it's got a feel to it mm-hmm. and um, not everything has to be perfect so what I've become fascinated with so we do the figure drawing group once a month mm-hmm. um, is a single line drawing sure I put the pen down I don't pick it up and I try to capture 
what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. And it's it's this weird it's obviously not anatomically accurate because it's hard to, you know, you're drawing the hand over here, then by the time you get to the other hand, you you know, your arms in the ways so you can't even necessarily see how you drew the last one, you can't pick up your pen. That's a great process. You know, and it, it's it's fascinating, but some of the times the stuff when it's done, I'm like, damn. Really proud of that piece because it's got a real. It, it looks the way it's supposed to mostly, but even like the fact that the imperfections are what kind of makes it really nice, exactly. you know, and interesting. And well, the nice thing about that it, 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 there's a pen on paper. Yeah, there's that that thing, and it's it's not lost. I, you know, and again, I do not want to sound like the old guy sitting on the front porch that everything was better when I was because that's not true. But um, when I see, and I most of my friends are artists, and I just see you know them working on a canvas, and I just I go, man, that's just so cool. Yeah. And so, you know, like Jesse who runs the art. Oh sure, yeah, Jesse Price. Yeah, and, and and Eddie doing his 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 jewelry. I mean, it's hands on thing. And you know, if you're not into that, and you want to you want to go take, you know, forty five pictures of Plymouth Rock and post them, like, that's fine. Yeah. You know, you're doing something. Right. It might not be something that I particularly am interested in. And so Inebriarts running into, a little, not really an issue, but so we have two things that we post on Facebook. We have a daily drawing challenge and a daily photo challenge. I did see that when I went on your, yeah, I yeah. saw the photo challenge that I don't know if I'm going to do. The photo challenge one, I'm always kind of like, I feel like they're taking, you know, the, the you know, the, prompt will be like your computer mouse and i feel like it's too instant camera like click i took i checked that box i took the photo of the the but like not really i'm gonna think about how i'm gonna take the photo of the mouse you know am i gonna edit the photo afterwards am i gonna like get put it in a different angle that you don't usually look at it you know and it's just too much like click check the box it's done one of the first things when I was in school, we had fine arts, we had uh, commercial photography, and I don't know what the other one was. And one of the first assignments that we had was to take three pictures that will tell me something about you. Oh, interesting. So I went home and I photographed, uh, I think, my, uh, my drums, or maybe my guitar, I don't remember, and I think I photographed a stack of records, mm-hmm. and I can't remember what the third photo was. And I always thought it was an interesting assignment because I want—I don't want you to tell me who you are. I want to look at those three photos, and those will tell me who you are. And I thought that was that was an interesting. So I don't teach photography. I wouldn't be arrogant enough to do it, um, but I always thought that was an interesting exercise of um, of um, showing. The, the process and how strong those photos could be. And uh, like, oh, that person likes to cook, and that per- likes to read, mm-hmm. and that person has a cat. But they were, I remember the, we, we did the assignment, I don't know how many days, and because, you know, everybody at the photography school was an artist. The photos were just, you could take each photo separately and look at it. Yeah. But it was like a really cool picture of a cat. Not just, okay, I got my cat. Right, right, yeah. Okay, I got my spatula because I like to cook. Right. So it, it was a spatula. It was like a cool shot of a spatula. Right, yeah. And um, I always thought that was an interesting program. Like, okay, don't just make, 
There's there's snapshots and there's photography. Right. And think about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And again, back to my point, edit, edit, edit. Um, The thing when I did the night shots in Plymouth, there's a lot of people go, where is that? I go, that's down by... um, by the rock, it's just, you know, I get one street light just lit. Yeah. The waterfront is just really cool during, yeah. during the winter. Yep. And that, that's behind uh, East Bay Grill or wherever it was. I did a couple shots right up here at the Cordage. Mm-hmm. Um, I was driving home and it was a steamy, foggy night. And, you know, could have been in London. Yeah. That kind of thing. And, uh, uh, you know, you don't need to know, you know, the, the thing that I like about those photos, they go, geez, I never saw that before I never saw that angle yeah what's that little alleyway it's up behind the the library or that that kind of thing yeah geez I never noticed that well maybe I think the thing being a visual artist is uh, you're always looking Mm -hmm. and I'll be driving around and I'll go well that's kind of cool maybe I'll come back to that tomorrow night yeah Mm. and uh, you go back you take a shot and it sucks (laughs) (laughs) but that that's the thing that I like about digital is you've got the luxury to experiment yeah. without the expense. Right. You know, back when I was a kid, you... They cost you 7 to $10 every roll of film. Yeah, yeah. you go, boy, yeah. I got nothing. Yeah. But there was something kind of cool waiting for the, that package to come and realize you got nothing. I, I wasn't a photographer, but I think everyone from that era had that experience of finding a used roll of film and being like, I have no idea what this is. Mm-hmm. And then you send it off for a week and you come back and you'd be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that was always an interesting experience. Yeah, it, it, there's a romance to photography yeah. that is it's kind of like, uh, I don't like to really spend time looking at the back of my camera. Yeah. I, I shoot, I glance at it, and go, okay, maybe I need, maybe need to move a little to the left to the right or that kind of thing. But I don't dwell on it until I get back. Yeah. And then I'll, you know, go home, have dinner, pop them in, and go through them and go, boy, it was a good night. I got a couple shots. I don't like to fool with a lot of um, apps. I don't know enough about it. I use the um, computer like my darkroom, mm-hmm. and you could crop, you could lighten and darken. That's basically. Yeah. Um, I don't have the uh, attention span to sit and work on a photo for an hour. Yeah, you know, if you got to do that, is the photo really that good? Yeah, uh, maybe. You know, this is just me. Um, I'm pretty um, spontaneous. Like, no, I don't like that one. And I, you know, edited it down. But this one, I might work on a little bit. Yeah, look at it. And I think the best thing to do when you're doing that is to walk away for a little while mm-hmm. and not look at it and go, "Geez, I think I'll just crop that telephone pole out." You know, there's probably an app that I could. Do that, yeah. Just remove the telephone pole. Yeah. Cropping is really important. Yeah. So I I shoot wide and then crop. I really don't need that and do that and then kind of move it, move the, it kind of condenses the photo. And then I'll go to, you know, I'll I'll desaturate it and make it black and white. Mm -hmm. The black and white is okay digitally. I don't feel like it's like the black and white I used to get when I would shoot. Yeah, film, but it is what it is. And then he just a contrast, that kind of thing. Or, but uh, I'm not going to spend an hour photoshopping a streetlight. Yeah, you know, I just don't have the uh, interest in doing that. It's it's either good or it isn't. All that stuff, 
I remember someone, I was doing something and someone came in and they had to show me a photo on their phone and it took them about 20 minutes to find it. They're doing the thing. Yep. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and, and the guy had taken the sky from one photo, the beach from another photo, somebody else's kids. Yeah. I don't somebody else's yeah. dog. And I went, he goes, what do you think of that? And I go, eh? <laughs> you know, it, it yeah. looks like a composite photo. Right. It's amazing you can do that. I mean, it boggles my mind that you, I don't have any idea how to do that. Yeah. Um, it wasn't very good. I didn't want to tell the guy. Right, right, right. He spent the eight hours doing it. But he goes, what do you think of that? I said, it's, you know, the worst thing, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. When you get that, you go, oh, boy. I, yeah. Oh, you know, that, that's nice. Tell me you hate it. I'd rather you tell me you hate it. Well, or, or, or <laughs> someone goes, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the thing that I, I, I like, you want, a, you want a, a response to anything that you do. Yeah. And I tell people, I like it when people don't like my work. Anytime anyone asks me for an opinion on something like that, I always say, do you want my actual opinion or you, do you just mm-hmm. want me to say it's nice? And they always say your actual opinion, but it puts them in a mindset of like, okay, he's going to be like honestly critical mm-hmm. and it's not to be like mean. He's you know giving me the option. Mm-hmm. And so then when you're like, you know, you try to do the compliment sandwich thing where you're like, this is what I like, this is what's terrible, and this is good, you know. Yeah, I don't want to say I don't, I, I, I kind of like, I, I learn more from criticism. Sure. You know, as long as it's constructive criticism. Right. Like, okay, that, fo- that fo- photo sucks. Right. Why? Why? Yeah. And it also depends on who it's coming from. Mm-hmm. And so, my wife is my best critic. Like, uh, what I'll do is I'll do a shot, and I'll say, what do you think? He goes, Eh, that's not really happening. Or that's pretty good, that kind of thing. So sometimes I veto her. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll, my kids are the same way. And they'll go, that, that, that's a really cool shot. That came out good. But you, get, you become complacent if everyone, oh, you know, it's, it's brilliant. Everything you do is brilliant. Yeah. And, and I know I'm the, But when you just go, well, what, what? no, I just don't think that's, that really is working. Why? Well, I think it, that, 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 whatever. Yeah. Oh, cool. Because a lot of times you don't see it. Right. Until they pull it out and they go, you know, you're right. Oh, God. And then it's so, it's one of those things that's so frustrating when someone's like, I mean, I drew some, like, some character or something. And they're like, you know, I'm fairly proud of it, whatever. And someone's like, the left arm's way bigger than the right arm. And yeah. then you look at it and you're like, oh, my God, how did I not see that? And, then, and, and, now, now, and then that's all you can now it's, Yeah, now it's ruined. Yeah. Now, like, burn it. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, yeah. It, it's... Um, like I, I had a, did a show somewhere you know, with my artwork and a good friend of mine, Kevin down the Cape, who we went to school together, and he goes, "Man, you got some pretty pretty crappy shots in here." <laughs> and I go, "You think so?" <laughs> so we did the show, yeah. and then okay, he said, you know, I said, "Go have a glass of wine. We'll talk later." Yeah. So then everybody was leaving, and he went. We went around picture to picture. Yeah. And he had very valid points. Yeah. I don't think I agreed with a lot of them. Yeah. And Kevin was somewhat of an opinionated kind of guy. But uh, it was a great conversation. He goes, that, that, I, that's not, that is not working for me. I go, why? He goes, I, go, I, I see, I, I don't agree with you. I would, yeah. have, I would have framed it and put it up, you jerk. <laughs> yeah. But that's the great thing about yeah. what you do. What, 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 uh, it, it's an ebb and flow 
I mean, again, to our point we were talking earlier, not everyone's going to like you or what you do. Yep. Um, and that kind of thing. And when you do something and everybody just blows smoke, you're not really learning anything. Right. So the thing that I'm really, really proud of is um, I still have... I, I still have a passion for it. I still, if I don't take a photo every couple days, mm -hmm. I get kind of itchy. Yeah. And because and people go, are you still working? I said, yeah, I, I need to eat. Yeah. But I'm still doing my own artwork because it's the next photo. Yeah. And it's, I think, you know, when we decide we're going to interview creative people, that's one of the things that has kind of rung through true with everybody is it's, you know, they always say, like, oh, if I didn't play music for professionally, I would still play music or whatever. And I think it's for whatever weird radioactive artist bit us that, like, we have this compulsion to create things that didn't exist, whether it's a podcast, whether it's music, whether... Yeah. And it's like, it doesn't matter if no one sees it. I'm still creating it. Like, I still need yeah. to do that. I, I want to do a book on these night shots because, one, I like them. Yeah. And I think the problem is, you know, getting the print medium, I don't know how to deal with it right now. You know, there's people that will digitally do it. You can order books. So I'm looking into doing uh, a limited run on our little coffee table book of my night shots. Yeah. And you know when you do something like that, you've got 20 people that will buy it. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because they have to. Because mm -hmm. they're related to you. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and if, you know, if they don't buy it, you don't like them anymore. Yeah. So, I don't love my children anymore. Yeah, yeah, you didn't yeah, buy yeah, my book. Yeah. Yeah, like so then what do you do with the other 20 Yeah, or 30? Um, it's like when my son had bands back in the day, they would do CDs or cassettes, and then you know they would have to order 500 of them. Right. And they maybe they could sell 100 at gigs, and then you had 400, and the band would break up. Yep. And now you have all these CDs. Yep. Yeah. And so um, I'm looking for trying to find a way, because it's, it's very ego driven because I want I want people to see these mm -hmm. that's why I, I don't have a problem with Facebook you know I do post things and I, I don't post I was doing a, a thing about I lose track of time four or five years ago when I got started got on Facebook I was on the computer doing some work and something said today is um, taco day yeah and I went oh, I got a shot of tacos that I did a couple years ago yeah the great thing about digital is I can Drop it in. I go to my yeah. external drive and yeah. I find a shot I did, Lord knows how long ago, of a taco. And I'm going to post that. Today is taco day. Yeah. So next morning, I'm doing my emails and all that stuff. I wonder what the food is today. Today is. So for about two or three years, I was nailing it a couple times a week. Yeah. Because I had this incredible archive of, uh, of stuff. And stuff. There's, there's a national day for everything. Exactly. Yep. And then people... I wouldn't do it. They go, hey, are you okay? I haven't seen that. <laughs> but then a friend of mine. It's burrito day. I was really looking forward for right. a burrito. <laughs> but the funny thing is, a friend of mine's wife came up and she says, I love your food shots. Where do you get them? <laughs> and I went, what do you mean, where do I get them? She goes, well, you know, you had pizza day the other day. You had hot dog the other day. I go, those are my shots. Yeah. I go, photo by your dude. You did all those? And I go, because yeah. the, the the other thing, the archive I have, because you do have this this load of, of unused photos, and, sure. and uh, most people that I work with, they don't care at that point. Yeah. And uh, so I, I was doing that, and that that was, and I'm I'm not a, 
a big Facebook fan of politically yeah, yeah. or whatever, but it is nice to do a shot and post it and get some feedback. Yeah. yeah. It is like someone buying the print right? or going to a show because there's not a lot of places to do shows anymore. Uh, but someone might not buy a photo of a hot dog, but if you get 40 people being like, oh my God, this made me hungry, you're like, oh yeah, well, that, that is pretty good. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this stuff is sitting there collecting dust. Yeah. And so... Um, what was it? Baklava day. I got a shot of baklava. And I remember the, the story. I was for, it was for the Cape Cod Cranberry Association. And the, the, the client she was looking at, she goes, I don't know. That, the baklava is not talking to me. <laughs> and I went, okay, go have a cup of coffee. So I tweaked the lights and moved yeah. around. She goes, ah, now the baklava is talking to me. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Or... When I and I'm kind of running out of food shots because I've kind of exhausted my library. People go, "Will you stop it? You're making me hungry." That's that's great. Yeah. Or I do a shot of a uh, night shot. They go, "Boy, that's really that that's a good, you know, because you want that feedback because you learn from that feedback." Yeah. And then you file that away and go, but you don't want to overdo it mm-hmm. and just keep doing that. Right. Because uh, uh, what did I? I think I did pizza day because I got a lot of pizza photos. <laughs> and, um, well, you must. You have what a day's worth of cheese pizza. Oh, <laughs> my external drive is just hilarious when you look at it. Mm. But I've got a, 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 a singer. She's a jazz singer, who guitar player, who I've known for a long time. She's kind of coming out of a little bit of retirement, and, and so I've got a photographer. You know, I love those old black and white of the old jazz people in New York mm-hmm. with the cigarette smoke. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that kind of, there's a photographer, I can't think of his name, who just, man, he nailed all those shots of uh, Dexter Gordon and Miles Davis. And uh, so she goes, uh, I need a headshot. And, of course, everyone's very vain. She goes, can you can you make me look 30 years younger? <laughs> I said, there's probably an app for that, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I said, let's go for that old kind of black and white She's a guitar player. Yeah. Let's go for that kind of Billie Holiday um, vibe. And uh, so I'm going to be doing that. And then I've got another friend who she's putting out a more of an Americana um, uh, photo. And she called me the other day and said, I want to get a shot of my guitar. Just the guitar. Yeah. I went, okay. So I'm trying to think of where, where can we put the guitar? What, you know, I can put it in the studio, obviously. Right. Yeah, yeah. But that's, man, yeah, that's kind of Yeah, boring. yeah. Where we can, where can we juxtaposition that the guitar around here mm-hmm. to get a shot like ooh yeah that's I've never seen the guitar like that yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to do railroad tracks because that's that's been done today yeah that's cliche I, I do have a couple ideas so I'm gonna meet with her tomorrow so um, it's nice that people will approach me and go you know what do I think and and then. I don't know. Why. I know she's putting out a CD. I can't imagine she's putting out a CD. I don't know what yeah. format she's putting this out on. But uh, if you can reinvent the wheel occasionally and kind of go, you know, I never saw a piece of baklava that looked like that, or yeah. or, or the guitar in a, in a place that that's that's kind of the thing that I like most is when I if I do a show and I see people really looking at the photos. Mm-hmm. I don't title my work. Okay. I don't. I don't want to preconceive my thought process right I want you to do it because people where is that that's that's really cool I go yeah that's it you know it just you that's that's all I want 
or that photo just made I have a, a, a landscape I was doing landscapes for a while and a friend of mine bought it and she says and I always say to people when they buy a photo let me know where you put it oh interesting and they go yeah, I, I put it next to my bed. It's the first thing I see when I get up in the morning. Yeah. I love that photo. And I go, cool. So I was I was working with an art director years ago, and I would give him a, a print every Christmas because mm-hmm. he gave me a lot of work. So we were invited to the house, Yeah, Chris and I. And so I'm walking around the house going, where are all the photos that I gave this guy? <laughs> I go, go, go in the bathroom. They're all in the bathroom. <laughs> and I went, what's, he goes, Ed, everybody goes to the bathroom. Everyone sees it. Anyway, yeah. cool. <laughs> I, I, I'm so flattered with someone. I, I, I would give photos away. Yeah. That they want a piece of anything that I've done in their house. But I'm always curious where they put it. Yeah. I, it's, I remember the first time I was selling prints and um, someone was looking at a piece or something. And I, I said something about it. And they go, oh, I know. I, I have this. It's on my wall mm. at home. And I was just like. Sorry, what? What happened? You know, it's just... Well, I, I try to donate. I, I, I was doing uh, the Rotary Club, um, and I kind of forget about it. Yeah. And I'll bump it. Oh, I have one of your prints in my house. And I go, really? That's pretty cool. But then the, about a year ago, a friend of mine called me, and his daughter had forgotten about her senior portraits. Yeah. He's like, no, this is earlier this year. This is like February. He goes, Ed, I got a problem. We, it was a Wednesday. We need to get the photo to the yearbook or whatever by Monday. And I went, I don't do that. And I said, and I hadn't seen his daughter in a long time. Yeah. Yeah, What was her name? Her name was Charlie. And so I said, yeah, I'll do the best I can. Right. So luckily we got a day that was kind of mild. And I met this girl and she was just a, she was just a pistol. She was great. She was like 17 going on 30. Yeah. Hi Ed, how you doing? Kind of punky, just very confident. And we're, so we're driving to, I've got a couple spots that I like to photograph people when I do that. And she just was great. It was so easy. Yeah. She had so much personality. Well, then I didn't know what to expect. From, I don't know many 17 years right. high school. Yeah, yeah. I expected some kind of, you, know, you want to, you know, up against the tree kind of thing. Yeah. And so. I did the shots, and, and her mother called me and says, oh, my God, you just captured her. I said, well, half of it was her. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, I only had the camera, but she was just great. I think she had a, she might have had a nose ring, had some colors in her hair, and I went, this is going to be good. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't really take a bad picture of this kid. It's, it's always, like, you get these people that either zoom in or whatever for an interview, and it's just, like, sometimes within, like, two minutes, you're like... Oh yeah, like this is, like we're friends now, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. like I was doing a shoot for a catering company, and I met with the chef, and uh, it was like, why do you want, why do you want to meet with me? I, I want to figure out what we're doing. I, I find the, the the pre-production stuff really, like I'm going to meet tomorrow with my friend who wants to do the guitar thing. I said, yeah. can you give me a copy of the music? Sure. And yeah. people go, why? I want, I want to hear what it's. You know, is it Americana? Yeah, because it helps you kind of like frame. Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah. You know, is it kind of, you know, is it, well, everyone, is it Taylor Swift? Yeah. Is it Joan Baez? Is it, what is it? That makes me yeah. figure out. So um, I, 
I said, can I meet with you before the shoot? And, you know, chefs before 12 o'clock are pretty angry people. Yes. And he, he was just, yeah, okay, yeah, all right, all right. I went, oh, God, this is going to be a rough shoot, this guy. So a couple of days later, a week later, we do the shoot. God, this guy, he brought out food that was just breathtaking. Uh, you know, he just rose to the occasion. Yeah. Thought, oh, God, if his food is as bad as his attitude. <laughs> and he still had an attitude. Yeah, yeah. But I went, oh, my, this stuff is great. Yeah. And the thing that's cool about food photography is I bring a monitor with me. And we do a shot, boom, they look at it. Oh, that is cool. And they get sucked right into it. Yeah. They're part of the photo shoot. And it's the same thing when I do, uh, when, I, when I photograph my friend, the, the jazz guitar player. Yeah. I have the monitor over to the side. I, I don't shoot and look. I, I do about 10 shots. And I go, okay, let's take a break. Let's take a look. Okay. Yeah. I know I don't like the way I look there. I like that angle. Yeah. I don't like the light there. Okay, boom, boom, boom. Do a few more. A, a few more. Yeah. So yeah. then you kind of like refine it down. And, 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 yeah. and then they, they become part of the photo shoot. And it's the same thing with the food. Like this guy said, what was it? It was it was um, a little part of a of the food he he really wanted. I think it was some. I think it was like uh, chicken parm or something. Yeah. He goes, I really like that spot there. And I went, okay. He goes, ah, that's it. Yeah. That get a little closer to that, or get a little more, a little more light in there. Yeah. Or I try to do. I try to throw things off balance a little bit. Uh, just I, I I don't want people to be uncomfortable, but I want them to be drawn to the composition and if it's a loop yeah you know that kind of thing and uh then that, that's that's the really the best thing about digital photography is is the, your subject or or what they make become part of the photo shoot because a lot of times we would shoot and we would shoot polaroids and the polaroids were basically just to make sure the composition right. was right. Yeah, we didn't yeah. know to, what we got till a week later. Not a week later, a couple of days later. Yeah, we got the film back, and they look at it with the, you know the little the little the little oh, viewfinder thing. Yeah, a big light table. Yeah, and, oh, God, I remember those. And yeah. thirty-five millimeter slides. Yeah, and, and so having the, the the subject, the client, whatever you want to call it, be part of the photo shoot, and re but really be part of it. Like, uh, no, no, I don't don't like I don't like that angle. Okay, give me a second. Boom. That's the angle. That's cool. Can we do? Can we do more of that? Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. And that's that's where you take the technology has made it easier for us to create. Yeah. But you know. Yeah. Well, Ed, this was a pleasure. I know. I'm looking at the time, going. If I don't stop now, my editor is going to kill me. Well, I, 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 I just, I, I really appreciate what you guys yeah, are doing. Man. There's a lot of really good things happening in Plymouth. Yeah. Uh, you know, my studio's in the Pack Building, and they're really doing some cool stuff. Yeah, they're they're great. Bunch. And then you've got Jesse and Eddie. Jesse Eddie Fry. Yeah, there. Jesse Fry's Eddie Murray. In the Art Center in Plymouth. Yeah. I mean, there's a. You got Cat at Inky Hands. Oh, I haven't seen her since she's had her surgery in her hand. Oh, I didn't even know yeah, she had and, surgery in her hand. And there's some really, the Jim Curran is a good... Oh, I love Jim, and, yeah. Um, so support the arts. Yeah. Get out, go see these people. You don't have to buy something. Just go in and talk to them. Or go make something to yourself. Yeah, and yeah. Um, the thing about photography is just keep keep doing it. You know, There's no... You can't teach it. It's, it's, it's like, how do you get to Carnegie Hall... Practice, practice, practice. 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 Yep. And, you know, people go, geez, you're a pretty good guitar player. You go, well, I've been doing it every night for, and it, art is like a muscle. Yeah. And you've got to exercise that muscle. 
But the other thing is support other people and look at what they're doing. And, you know, um, just I, I'd, be, I'd love to see more of an art community in Plymouth and do that, the, the little bohemian yeah. you know, people creating. Because there's some incredibly talented chefs. Oh, yeah. What you guys are doing electronically, um, the, the Art of the Green, where I bumped into you the other yeah. day. Um, you know, support these people because it's important. It's, it's probably more important now than ever to look at the art that they're creating and support them. You don't have to buy something, but just talk to them yeah. and do that kind of thing. It, it, and what you guys are doing are great. Awesome. Thanks, okay. man. Thanks. Uh, do you want to give your website so yeah, people it's, can it's, keep an eye out for yeah, the potential uh, book? It's uh, nudephotography, N-U-T-E, photography.com. I am on Instagram, which is e nude photo, and um, I am on Facebook. I think it's Edward Newt. Yeah. I think, uh, but uh, the the only problem, and we'll cut this thing off, is when you put nude photography in uh, nude photography. <laughs> I, I bet you that happened. I was yeah. not aware of that till about fifteen years ago when people started going. You know what happens when I call your name up? <laughs> because my name is Newt. Yeah. And so just let your imagination run with that. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. Sorry. It was a pleasure. Yeah, Thank absolute you. pleasure. Thank, Thank you so much. Yep. Thanks. And thanks for checking out the show today, listeners. Uh, if you enjoyed the content today, you can go over to patreon.com slash inebriart to support the show. You can join over there for just a few dollars a month and help us provide this fun content that you just checked out. You can also email us at inebriart.com with your questions, complaints, and concerns, or you can find us on all social medias at inebriart or at inebriart6 on Instagram. And also don't forget to check out our other shows, Bar Talk Podcast, Old Colony Cast, Inebriart, and all the other shows on the Inebriart Network, which you can find at inebriart.com. Thanks again for listening.